Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Welcome to Parsha's Chaya Sarah. Torah starts off the Parsha by describing how Sarah passed away and Avraham came to give a eulogy and to bury her. And the Pasuk says, Vayavu Avraham lispo the Sarah, Vilavchosa. And Rashi is bothered by where did Avraham come from exactly? Um, and the interesting thing is that the Torah tells us explicitly after the Akeda that Avraham went back to Beersheba. So we know he was there, um, but yet he was coming back to Hebron, which is where Sarah lived. And so obviously, seemingly, the Ramban explains that Avraham lived there as well. And so why ex- exactly was he in Beersheba? And uh, Rashi doesn't really explain what he was doing there. But again, Rashi is based on the Pasuk itself. It says that's where he was located. Um, so what was he doing there? So the uh, Ramban explains that Avraham, on his way back from the Akeda, went to Beersheba, which was where he had lived many, many years before. And he went back to Beersheba, to the place of the Eshel, his special tree that he had done so much kindness with, to give a thanks to Hashem for the miracle that occurred. So let's talk about this. So the first thing is, what happened after that Kedah? Yitzhak is 37 years old, and Hashem gave it Sivoy, which seemed to say that he should be slaughtered, and Avraham uh, follows us through with tremendous amuna and sacrifice, and is willing to sacrifice his own son for Hashem, because that's what Hashem wanted. And yet Hashem says at the last minute, no, stop. Okay. And instead a ram is is chosen, and this is one that the Gemara and Shabbos tells us carries the Jewish people until Mashiach's time. And so, what's going on here? So you would think that after this event, Avraham and Yitzhak would kind of regroup and spend some family time together and try to catch their breaths. But what happens is very fascinating. Yitzhak, Chazal tell us, he goes to learn at Shem and Aver because he wants to now learn Torah and uh, increase in his year of Shemayim. So it's interesting. So what Yitzhak did was, after this inspirational moment, he took it and he used it for Avodah Hashem. And Avraham did the exact same thing. He wanted to make sure that he didn't lose the inspiration. And so he went to a place that was very, very meaningful to him. And he went to go daven and give thanks to Hashem. And he wanted to turn all of his emotions to Hashem. And we could learn a tremendous lesson from this, that when something happens in our life, it's a time for us to think about how to connect with Hashem and how to get closer to Hashem. And the Ramban actually explains uh, later on, and we'll discuss this more, but that, that is the purpose of life, that to know that Hashem is always testing us. In Parshish Yisro, he says this, that anything good that happens is a test. Are you going to thank Hashem and are you going to serve Him more? Or are you going to spit at Him or kick Him, like more in, uh, based on the Gemara and Brachos, bow eight bow, you're going to kick Him and uh, use that to rebel against Him. So Avraham wanted to turn it around. But there's something even deeper. And that is that Avraham's entire question that he could have had on Hashem when, when uh, he was commanded to slaughter his own son, seemingly, was, Hashem, we always preach kindness and chesed, and you're taking my entire life's work, and you're throwing it all out, and you're making me do this most barbaric act of slaughtering my dear Yitzchak. How could you make me do this? But Avram didn't question. He went forward with Amun Abitachan, and he believed in Hashem, and he applied it. And at the end, Hashem explained what was really meant, was that literally he should be, Yitzchak should be bound, and that was it. That was that was the carbon. So, Avraham wanted specifically to go back to the Eshel, which was a place where he had preached so much kindness and so much love. That was the place where he fed everybody and where the shade uh, covered people for having Amuna and Bitachan and Hashem. And that was a place where Avraham did Achila Shtiya Levoya. That's what Eshel stands for, according to Chazal. 
so much kindness, and he wanted to close the loop and say, you see, Hashem is the one who is kind. So he specifically went there. And of course, while he was there, he found out that Sarah had passed away. According to the Madrashim, it say that Sarah died at the time of Akeda, and he came right back to take care of her burial. So this is such an important lesson in life when we have emotions and feelings. This is what we do. Now, what is interesting to note is, is, is a global topic that I'll be talking a lot about, Ezra Hashem. And that is just kind of zooming out that, well, Chazal say, Vayavo Avraham is Meharamuria. He came from Haramuria. So why, why is the Ramban and Rashi, why are they all explaining that he was in Beersheba? So again, the Psukim seem to imply that he went to Beersheba. So there's, there, there's what to explain. How, how does that Chazal jive with it? But I want to zoom out and explain something that is very important. Um, and that is that there's a claw that Chazal teaches, which is Ein Mikr Pshuto. Every uh, Pasuk has a simple explanation. And it's that something that the early Rishonim, Rashi was a Pashtun, but Rashi is uh, extremely faithful to Chazal. Uh, Eben Ezra was, was not, according to the criticism that, uh, that the Ramban has against him, is that often uh, Eben Ezra contradicts Chazal. Even though I hope to be able to talk about that later, we know there's a number of Eben Ezra's that explain explicitly that he is totally batul mavutal to Chazal. Um, and, and we could probably explain it based on what I'm going to ex- explain today for the Ramban as well. But nevertheless, there were times that the Ramban held that the Eben Ezra went too far. There is a fascinating Ramban in the middle of Ayikra, where the Pasuk says that one who brings a Mincha, so Yisrael brings a Mincha to the base of Megdash, and the Kohen takes the Kamitza, and the Pasuk says, La Kohen amakrivoso lo The Kohen, it seems to imply that the Kohen who is uh, helping you bring the bring your Mincha, so when you give over the leftovers that the, that the Kohenim get, so you should give it to that man. If, if the Kohen was Aaron that helped you, you should give it to Aaron. But, however, the Gemara in Menachos says explicitly that uh, Mincha uh, does not go to the coin that helped. That's not where it goes. It goes to the Kahuna. When the Pasuk says, Lo Sia, it should go to him. It means to, to his family, to, to Kahuna. The Kahuna should get it. Yet, the Ramban in that Pasuk says that the, the Pashib shot is that when you bring a Mincha and a coin helps you out, he does the Kibitza, you should give it to him. You should give him the leftovers. That man, specifically, that Aaron that helped you. So, what's Pshat? So, Rechaim Freelander in Sever Munabitachon um, Munva Ashkacha explains Mechelik Beis. He devotes half the Sefer to Ein Mikriyosei Pshuto, a very brilliant thing, and that is that of course the Ramban is Meshubit to the Chazal. He himself quotes it, and that's what Chazal say. That's the Halacha. Halacha is that any Kohen can get it, and you can give it to whoever you want. However, the Ramban is teaching us Derech Eretz, and he's saying that Ein Mikriyosei Pshuto, the Torah is teaching us a simple explanation, which is that it's appropriate that you should choose to give it. To this Kohen who helped you, because he spent time helping you bring your carbon. And that's what's appropriate, but it's certainly not the halacha. And therefore, the explanation that Rechaim Freelander says is that means that the Torah is also teaching us a lesson in its Pashup shot. Another way this is explained, and Rechaim Freelander goes at length about this, is that the Zohar says that Esther Hamalka uh, never really touched Achashverosh, that it was always a shade, and that Alpi Kabbalah. Nothing ever happened between um, Esther and between uh, Achashverosh. Um, yet, there's a problem with that because the Pasuk says, Chasher Vadati Avadati, and uh, the Ben Yoyada, the Ben Ashchayas, is Kasha, and many, and many other Rishonim touch on it, mostly Achronim deal with this question. So, how are we supposed to understand this? So, the Ben Yoyada tries to give an explanation that at that moment, um, Esther had to go in by herself because a shade can't talk, and therefore he, she had to go, and therefore was actually her, and Kasher Vadati Avadati. But the uh, Rechaim Freelander explains no. That in Mikriyosei and Pshuto means that the, the Psukim in Esther explain that this is what happened, that she went in. And therefore, we have to learn lessons from the actual Pasuk itself about, 
you know, what, what a woman's allowed to do, what, what a person's not allowed to do in those situations. And the Gemara discusses that at length, why Esther Shani and Esther was it's, it's different and its own explanation. And so therefore, because Ein Bikr Pshuto, we have to learn from it. What the Zohar might say, Alpi Kabbalah, however we explain it, um, maybe that's, uh, it ha- that's Soda Shemli Rev, and there are ways to explain it, and there are way- lessons to be learned from that as well. Um, but Ein Bikr Pshuto means that we have to look at the simple explanation and learn a lesson from it. And so it could be that, there are, that, that even the Eben Ezra, in the comments that he makes, that seem to contradict Chazal, because he himself says in Parshish Miketz in a number of places that he uh, is extremely uh, subjugated you know, to Chazal, uh, in those cases, he's probably just explaining what he what he looks at as uh, Mikra and Yudei Pshuto. Rashi explains throughout Chumash, gives many, many endorsements from the first Pasuk and on, that he's just trying to explain uh, the Pashup shot, Alpi Chazal. And Ramban is doing the same. So that's that's what's going on here. So Chazal say that Avram came from Haramuria, but the Pesukim and, and uh, the Pashup shot of the Pesukim seem to be indicating that they came from, that Avram came from Beersheba, and therefore it was explained that he went to Beersheba, to the Eishel. That's a very fascinating number of thoughts for you to digest. Moving along to Perak Chavdalad, Pasuk Aleph, it says that Avraham was old, Baba Yamim, and Hashem blessed him with Bakol, everything. And the Ramban brings down its Machogas and Chazal, a very fascinating Machogas, what this means, that he had everything. One Mahda Amar says that he had a daughter, that was Bakol, that he had everything, even a daughter. And the other one says that he was blessed, Bakol, but he didn't have a daughter. Um, and the Ramban explains a little bit of what's going on. Ramban says that Avraham did not want any of his uh, children that came from Sarah to go out to Chutzlaretz, and therefore he did not know how, if he would have a daughter, he didn't know how he would marry them off. Therefore, there was a blessing from Hashem to make it that Avraham did not have a daughter, from Sarah, specifically. And um, the Ramban explains that there's a big sode going on here, and the Ramban explains that what's happening is that this is referring to the, the Mida of Hakol that Avraham had. He doesn't explain. Uh, the Mepharshim talk about exactly what this means, but there's a fascinating Vilnagon. The Vilnagon explains, um, this is brought down in Panina Mishulchan Agra, that the word Bakol is Rashi Teva's Beis Chaflamid, and this is a Sukkot fart in the middle of, uh, we already missed Sukkot, but not too far back. Uh, it says that the three Sukkot that describe Sukkah are Basukos Teshu Shivas Yavim, that's the Beis of Bakol, and then Kol Ezrach B'Yisrael Yeshu Basukos, that's a Chaf, and Lamed is Laman Yedu Darasechem Kibasukos Hashavtis Bnei Yisrael. That these three psukim refer to Sukkah. So, what does this mean that Avram was blessed with Sukkah? So, we know that Chazal tell us that, and the Gura doesn't explain, but this might be what he means that Avraham, the Shanu Tachasa Eitz, because he invited his guests at the Eishel, like we talked about earlier, to sit under that tree, that famous tree. Therefore, he, he, we were Zochet to have shade um, that Hashem provided us in the Midbar. And that's what Sukkah commemorates. And so I'll pisod what the Ramban might be saying is that this mita of bakol is this idea of being able to sanctify everything in your life for Hashem, which is what sukkah is, right? The Gemara tells us that even the idle chatter of Tamanichacham needs to be studied because it has Torah ideas in it. And that's a Gemara and sukkah, Chavches. So Rav Tzadik explains that the reason that that's in the Gemara and sukkah is because sukkah is a fascinating mitzvah, that it allows us to be Makadesh, our entire body, and to make it holy in a mitzvah, that when you eat in the sukkah, it becomes a mitzvah. When you sleep in the sukkah, it's a mitzvah. And so therefore, in Parakayashen, where it talks about the Kedusha of literally sleeping in a sukkah, which is turned into a mitzvah, and so it talks about the Sichas Chulun, that even the mundane acts that we do are, are niskadesh. And that's the Midah of Bakol, like we say in Benching, Bakol Mikol Kol, which is referring to 
three psukim that are in reference to all the Avos. It's Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. There's a Pasuk, Hashem Berechaz Avraham, Bakol. See, that's the Bakol. And then Mikol, Ba'achal Mikol, is what Yitzhak said after he asked, who fooled me and stole and stole the brachas and gave me food? And then Kol is, um, Yeshli Kol is Yaakov. And so all the Avos were able to be Miskadesh, their holiness. They were Miskadesh, the Olam Haza, the world around them that they used, and they made it into a holy place for bringing down Hashem's name in the world. And that's uh, also the uh, Svarim explained that the Sula Mutzavartza, which we'll see later on in the part in, in the future parsha, that ladder that Av- that uh, Yaakov saw was a Sula Mutzavartza. It was it had a physical landing spot, but it was Rosh Hashemayim. But its head, its intentions, the Shlal explains, was in Shemayim. That everything that Yaakov did, he was in Scottish, and that's why specifically after he saw that image, he got up and he said that Hashem is in this place. Because I didn't know that I could be in Scottish, my I could sanctify even my sleeping to be Lashem Shemaim, but that's exactly what Yaakov did. And that's why right afterwards he made a nether and he said that if Hashem will just give me my basics, this is all basically based on the Shla, if Hashem will give me my basics, and suddenly beg a little bit, right? And it'll just give me the minimal things, then I will uh, dedicate myself to Hashem. This is the way of our great Avos and all of our great Sadiqim, that they ask Hashem to please take care of them and to show them a way to be Miskadesh, to sanctify their everyday life. And that's what the Avos stood for. That is the Mita of Bakol. And when you have that, you literally have Bakol. You have everything you need in life to succeed and to feel good and to know that you're doing the right thing and growing. We look a little further in Perak Chavdalad, Pasuk Yud Zion. And it's a very fascinating Pasuk because uh, in the actual story, we know that... Um, the water uh, went up to go greet Rivka. That's what the story tells us when it actually happened. But when the Eved Avram, Eliezer Eved Avram, is telling over the story, he just says, we, uh, She went down to the well, and Rivka drew up the water. So the Ramban asks, and a number of other Rishonim asks, well, why didn't he tell them about the miracle? And the Ramban answers, Ulai loya aminu. They wouldn't believe him. So then the question becomes, they have his great daughter named Rivka, who's this great tzaddikist, and they don't believe that a miracle like this happened? So do they not know their daughter? And the answer is that part of the um, challenge that Rivka had was not only was uh, she the daughter of Basuel, who was an Ovid of Odazara and a murderer who tried to kill Eliezer, and not only was her brother Lavan, who was a thief, and we'll meet him later in the Torah as well, uh, when dealing with uh, Yaakov and Rachel and Leah, but this is the family that she came from, someone, a family that didn't appreciate her, and that were not advocating for what was best for her. And yet, she was one of the Emos, and she was a great woman in her own right. Uh, other Mepharshim ask another kasha, which is that why did Eliezer Everett of Rome tell them about the miracle of the Kvitsa Sa'aretz, his speedy uh, arrival, which happened on the same day that he left, um, which he was very, very um, eager to mention that. So what does that mean? So it could be that the shot is that once they understood that he was coming from Avraham, Maybe they knew that Avraham was great. He was a relative of theirs, after all, and they knew everyone Everyone knew Avraham was the uh, one of the leaders in the family. So they knew that in his merit, uh, he would be able to have that Kvitzah But yet, their own daughter, they didn't know. Um, but another shot that some of the Mepharshim explained is just fascinating, that uh, um, Eliezer Ebed Avram produced a document that was signed by Avraham saying that Yitzhak would inherit all of his money in order to show that to the prospective families. And that document was probably signed that day. And so... Eliezer Ebed Avram was forced to explain that the reason that it has the same exact uh, date as today is not because I forged it and 
uh, this three-day trip or longer, according to some other Madrashim, uh, only took me a few moments. Um, but I had a miracle that allowed me to get it on this exact same day. So it was just a fascinating idea of how the uh, we, we find throughout the Chumash so many miracles that happen behind the scenes that bring things to fruition. So just an interesting idea to think about. And the last thing uh, I want to talk about is uh, Parachafei Pasuk Samach Zion. The Pasuk describes that uh, Yitzhak and Rivka get married, and Yitzhak brings um, Rivka into the oil of Sarah, his mother. And the Ramban explains that from the time that Sarah died, um, they did not allow any other woman to dwell in that tent. And this shows the amount of respect and prestige that uh, Yitzhak held his mother to. And yet, when Rivka came in, uh, Rivka was not a replacement, of course, for his mother, but by Yenachim Yitzhak Achar Imo, she was a comfort that now there was a great woman in his life who would love him and care for him and develop a home of Torah and Yerushalayim with him. Uh, one fascinating uh, comment that I like to talk about is this very interesting idea that none of the Imos saw each other, and we'll, I'll explain what that means in a minute, and all the Avos overlapped. And what does that mean? That we look at the life of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So all Avra, Avraham and Yitzhak obviously interacted, Yitzhak and Yaakov obviously interacted, but so did Avraham and Yaakov. Uh, we know that uh, Rashi tells us at the beginning, Rashi tells us that uh, Yaakov and Esav were 15 years old when Avraham died. And so all three of the Avos saw each other. Whereas when it comes to the Imos, Sarah died, and then we know at the Akedah, and according to some Madrashim, Rivka was born then, if she was three, or in other Madrashim, they definitely never saw each other. Um, and we know that when uh, Yaakov, Rivka's son, leaves, uh, he goes to go marry uh, Rachel and Leah. And uh, we know that Hazal tell us that Rivka died before, the, before she even met Rachel and Leah. So none of the Imos ever saw any of each other. Now, yes, you're right. Uh, Rivka, Leah, and Bill and Zilpah all saw each other. They were all sisters. Um, that's true. But from the generations of the three Avos and the, and the uh, four Imos... Uh, and two of which were from the same generation, Rachel and Leah, none of them saw each other. So what's the shot? So I heard from uh, an idea from Ezra Neuberger Schlita, the Rosh Kola Yeshiva Snary Stroll in Baltimore. He one time explained a very fascinating and cryptic comment. He said that there's a Gemara that talks about whether Yesh aim le Mikra or Yesh aim le Mesoris. And without explaining the exact complication of that, but there's, there's two aspects. There's... Um, uh, a Masora of how to pronounce a word, and then there's the Mikra of how to actually how it how it actually appears. And what he explained was that the Avos represent the logical Masora of Torah, Moshe Kibbutz Torah, Misina, Masroli, Yoshua, and therefore it had to be passed from generation to generation, and all of them had to see each other because there's a logical aspect there. And in logic, the only way to have a Masora is to pass it down from person to person. That's the way our Masora gets passed down from Rabbi to Talmud. However, the emos represent the emotion of Kali Yisrael, and therefore the ability to connect with Hashem and to recognize Hashem comes from an emotional level, which is one that we could recognize Hashem from our own selves. And we find, uh, just like I talked about Sukkot, so we're going to talk about Pesach as well, we find at the Pesach Seder that there are three matzahs and, uh, that we use and four cups of wine, four kosos. And if we think about it, what's going on is that uh, there's the, like the Ramban explains in Parshas Yisro, that there's one element of Maimon Harsina, which is the logical part, that Hashem gave us the Torah and passed it down. And that's what the three matzahs represent, the three avos. There's logic there. The Masorah is ironclad. There's a overlap between all of them, passed from father to son, generation to generation. Whereas the 
uh, emos, the kolos and brachim, the emotional part of Maimon Harsinai, the connecting to Hashem on an emotional level of your own finding of Hashem um, from an emotional capacity, which is represented by the four cups. Four cups of wine is, is something that stimulates the emotion. The arba kosos or the arba imos, that aspect is another aspect of Yiddishkeit. And that's why Chobos Avavos explains and the Sefer, uh, Siddur Eitz Yosef explains this as well, that when we, in, in Shemona Esther, we say, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzhak, Elokei Yaakov. So there's kind of a paradox because why don't you just say Elokei Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov? Why do you have to say Elokei by each one? And the, the paradox is that on the one hand, you have to find God individually. So there has to be Elokei Avram, that Avram found it, found Hashem. And Elokei Yitzhak, Yitzhak found Hashem. And Elokei Yaakov. But collectively, we're all, we're saying that this is our God. Okay. So it's Elokeinu, Velokei We have to have both. So Elokei Avosenu is a logical part that we connect to Hashem and logic, but Elokeinu is the emotional part of how we connect to Hashem. And those are the two that make complete our Amun Abitachon and Hashem. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.